What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. As the role of CFO continues to evolve, one thing has become clear from our past interviews. You'll never be a great CFO unless you learn to lead well. Hey, I'm Ross, and this is the CFO Playbook. Each week, you'll get insights from world-class finance leaders to help you grow your company and yourself and face the challenges required of today's finance leaders. As we line up the next world-class financial leaders joining us on the show, we wanted to use this episode to summarize some of the best advice on leadership we've received from recent guests. In the early part of my career, I was absolutely convinced that my primary responsibility was to come up with the right answer. And that was sort of true. When you're doing a spreadsheet, you need to come up with a good spreadsheet. And then as you progress through your career and become more senior, I've realized now that my main job is coming up with good questions. And good questions are much harder to come up with than good answers. There's this tendency to, when you get a new job and, and you get a promotion or um, you're, in a, you're in a more senior role than you've ever been in before, is to try to try to act a certain way or be something that you're not. That's just normal pressure. You want to yeah, live up to what you feel the expectations are. But I think one of the things that has served me well, and I've seen it serve others well, is continue to approach these things with a level of humility. You don't need to know everything. It's actually better to say you don't know the answer, but you'll go figure it out than to give the wrong answer. But sometimes the pressure of the situation can prevent you from doing that. So I, I think people like to work with other people who are, you know, they feel are trustworthy and honest and, and humble. So even as you're you're getting into perhaps a more senior role than you've ever been in before, don't lose sight of that because at the end of the day, I think, you know, building companies is, is kind of a people business. And so you've got a job to do. And on some days you'll do it better than, than other days, but just bring a level of humility and, and a growth mindset. As finance people, we often only pay attention to how we are right. And we often are right, right? So that's okay. But I think that it's important to, to learn, and I wish I learned it earlier, to listen to other people. And as I like to remind my, my friends and colleagues is not listen to them necessarily because you can be wrong and they may be right. And that was obviously a very good reason for that. But I would take it a step further. I would say you need to listen to other people even when you're right and they're wrong. You still need to listen to them, right? Because you're going to understand why they are saying what they're saying and, and sort of see the world from different perspectives. So I think that this this tendency to, because we are close to the truth, if you will, <laughs> that we have somehow kind of 
our perspective, therefore, is always the right perspective. I think that's a dangerous expansion on, on that. What is ultimately a positive thing? So I, I'm totally for empowering finance and kind of making sure that finance folks have the role within the organization to truly be, be not just be encounters, but to really be the source of insight about what's going on. But I think that has to come with being humble and with being willing to listen to other people. So those clips highlight the importance of asking questions, not just seeking answers, of maintaining humility and and a growth mindset, and then finally focusing on listening, even when you're convinced that you're right. When Patrick Butcher highlighted the importance of, of asking questions, increasingly so as you progress in your career into more and more senior positions, and focusing on those over providing the answers. Something that struck me with this is that there's a singular focus when you're searching for an answer or you're looking to provide an answer. It's just to provide that answer in itself. But when you're asking the question, you're not only looking to find the answer to that, but you're looking to elicit a response. You're often looking to elicit a response from that individual, from that team, or from that audience. And so there's a higher order thinking involved there. And then the second part that struck me about that is that you often have limited time. And so you need to think very carefully about the question or questions that you choose to engage with. There's an element of curation there because you need to think about in this moment, which question will focus on the highest impact problem and elicit the response that is needed right now. So that idea of curating the question based on the time available and the timing that this occurs in is a very powerful insight. Secondly, with Jacob, uh, when he mentions the importance of of not acting up and not pretending to be something that you're not, maintaining that honesty and sincerity and above all remaining humble, that is very common advice when it comes to, of course, leadership is the idea of authenticity. And he finishes off by mentioning something that from the moment he was, the, the stream of consciousness that he was on, This phrase was in my mind and and he mentioned it, the importance of a growth mindset. And with a growth mindset, it's become, again, increasingly uh, prevalent because of some of the the endorsements from popular leaders, from famous corporate and uh, leaders from other places, other walks of life. And one such pioneer of of that mindset is Satya Nadella a CEO of Microsoft, who's led arguably one of the greatest corporate transformations of the past five or six years at Microsoft, turning it from admittedly a huge company, but one that had that was in danger of slipping into irrelevance, at least in terms of mindshare, into now being the third highest value company in the world, and more importantly, being seen as a, as a pioneer and an innovator. And I listen to him on a recent interview, actually. I'll read the quote, but it talks exactly on his point on where the growth mindset comes in. And he said, and I'll read this out, if you take two kids at school, one of them has a more innate capability, but is a know-it-all. The other has less innate capability, but is a learn-it-all. Over the long period of time, the learn-it-all does better than the know-it-all. And I think that for me, hits the nail on the head and it's exactly what Kevin was alluding to is that you should try and focus on being the learner at all especially as you stretch yourself into new roles that are beyond what you've done in the past. 
And then lastly, extending that theme of, of humility was uh, Tom's point on the importance of listening. Again, something from this, there's a very nuanced point underneath Tom's argument, Tom's uh, observation, and it's that even if you're convinced that you know the truth, and this is a, a particularly important, and I've made this mistake myself as well, when you feel that you're the closest to the data, you know what the data says, it's very easy to be convinced in your own argument, but more importantly, to close yourself off from feedback from others because you know the truth. But actually what that neglects is that there can often be truth or insights even in the wrong conclusion or wrong position. And again, arguably that is more important now than ever. And that underlines within Tom's point that why it's critical to explore, to engage not just with someone's argument or their position, explore the premises that lay behind that get a really you know good team and strong team and don't worry about hiring people you know who are brilliant that's what you know you should want to do um and also delegate delegate effectively but that does not mean discharging your responsibility as a cfo you know you're responsible for your team and it's really important that they they see that, that they see that you're supporting them, but ultimately you're taking the responsibility for the output. You know, it's really important for CFO to know, you know, what's going on. I think a good financial leader should be able to see the bigger picture as well as be in the detail. And then I think the other important thing is that don't just take what you did last year and say, okay, we'll do the same again this year. You know, think outside the box, think about how is the company going to grow and how are you going to scale the finance team to grow with it and how are you going to adapt to various changes that inevitably come our way, you know, whether it's COVID, you know, last year, but, you know, in five years time, it might be something else. So how, how are you going to adapt to that? I sat down with each of my, my four product managers that I was supporting and say, okay, well, how's business doing? What are your plans for the year? Of course, we introduced ourselves and all that. Then we got a good anger into, okay, Anders wants to know something about what I'm doing. And people love to talk about it themselves. So we had a good conversation there. Then I went back to, to my desk and said, okay, can you, please, can you send me the plans that you have? I'd love to see them. So I saw their plans, you know, the, the strategy for the year, you know, the metrics they wanted to succeed on and their, their tactics to get there. And I said, if this is what you want to achieve, I'm going to create this business performance review. We called it like the monthly product review to help you follow up on this. And they said, great. Can finance also do that? I thought you were about cost and, and PL and working capital and all that jazz. Of course, right? This is, this is what's most important to you. If I, your business partner, is not spending time on what's most important to you, then what am I doing? I'm not here to succeed myself. I'm here to help you succeed. So let's start with the what makes a great leader. So people want someone who inspires them, someone who has some future direction and is able to articulate that in a really great way. And then it's someone who takes them along that journey. 
So that's the first thing. The second thing is it's it's someone who's able to role model the right behaviors. So I cannot tell you how important role modeling is in this whole thing. Because they want that they, they want to look up to that leader, but not just in seeing the leader above them. Sometimes they want this to see the leader on par with them. So they want to see both the dynamics. And then there's the dynamic of what I would have called the very traditional, well, they're not traditional, they're more coming to light now. Those softer skills like empathy, being humble, being vulnerable, that's coming to the forefront massively. People want to see that in a leader to resonate with the leader. These clips touched on the importance of balancing delegation with responsibility, the idea that leaders need to learn to be effective business partners. And lastly, that in order to lead a team, you need to inspire them and acting like a role model is a critical part of that. So with Rashita saying that delegation does not mean dispensation of of responsibility, I think that's a, a critical balance to get right because with there, the question for all CFOs and finance leaders and, and all leaders is when do you give your team enough space to empower them, to allow them to, to make their own mistakes, but step in to help provide support at the right points. And then, of course, to ensure that accountability, it's clear that the accountability always sits with you. And that as part of that, she, she mentions that it, it's critical to make sure that when you're leading a team that you don't just repeat the plan from last year, which for any executive and any CFO, uh, I'm sure there would be no year like last year in the midst of a pandemic and everything that's happened with COVID. But I think that this is also especially important in fast scaling organizations because in that rapidly changing environment, it's almost always the case that next year, this year can be better than the previous one and and you shouldn't rest on your laurels. The second point from Anders around business partnering, he emphasizes his team and in the case their product managers were surprised that, that he was taking such an interest and then designing solutions, designing a business cadence as a finance business partner to help them succeed and, and implement, execute on their strategy and their plan for the year. And within that, I think that it highlights some of what Anders also mentioned within his episode about why finance business partnering is so critical, how it can allow finance to extend their impact and their impact on company strategy as well as execution. And that from a leadership perspective, it comes down to that human connection is that if your partners in various teams and organizations know that you're equally committed to the same goals that you um, that they are, then it allows you to create that sense of connection, to create the strong relationships at the heart of that business partnering and to steer the company in a far more effective way. And then lastly, Talita touched on, of course, the importance of inspiring your team and that leadership and a previous manager or previous uh, lead of mine once said that management is, of course, looking after people's day-to-day, but leadership is about having a vision articulating that vision and then making it happen. And 
Talida touched on a very similar point of the importance of articulating that vision and, and bringing your team along for the journey. But beyond that, she spoke and emphasized heavily the importance of being a role model and a dual level role model where it's not just about someone to look up to, but also someone in the trenches. And I think that that highlights the importance of the old quote of do as I say, not as I do. And when you encounter that type of attitude, of course, people, some people can approach it that way. But I think increasingly teams are not valuing that approach and they want to see someone who will model the behavior that they are expecting from others. And that in itself touches back on to the common thread that we've heard from many finance leaders and CFOs in this episode, which is the importance of empathy and humility. I wish I could say that completely came natural to me, and I wish I could say I'm actually really good at it. <laughs> but I'm not. Look, I work on that every day. That is one of my most important things as a, as a leader, as a finance leader, is to be on the ball with that. And it it does not. I don't think that comes natural to a lot a lot of finance people. I hope all the effort I'm putting into it is paying off. But if I look at some of my friends and peers and the most successful finance leaders that I know or have seen, they have that. You know, they're not only really great with the numbers, but they they know who they're talking to. They know what that person is concerned with. They know what they're interested in, and they say the right stuff at the right time in a way that is most human and most energizing. And like you said, it's empathetic. It's like you understand their situation. What What is going to get them excited and motivated? Why do they get up in the morning and talk to that? You got to prioritize. There's always a hundred things you can be doing. And if you think of, uh, you know, you're on vacation, you got a week, you're in some strange land, you can't do it all. Pick the sites you want to see. What are the most important to you? What would you enjoy the most? And you do those, right? So you're looking at your at your plate in the office and uh, there's a hundred and one things you need to do. What do you want to accomplish? What is most important to the business? Thinking further out into the future, thinking now maybe some issues are urgent now, but some are important and not so urgent. When you think about the development roadmap of SaaS software company, they could develop anything. They could be they could be spending they could be hiring way more developers and doing a million things, but they have to like focus so that they get constrained within the amount of budget they have, how many people can they hire? And same for us. We've got like a team of 10 people. What can they accomplish? They got to do month end. They got to like, there's a whole bunch of stuff that's just like the plumbing. And then you got this little window of opportunity and a way of thinking about things. So yeah, you got to pick wisely. And if it's not going there, just can it and move on to something else. If you structure one-to-ones correctly and you use them well, one, you can get actual work done because sometimes they do turn into working sessions. Two, you build an environment of mutual accountability because if you're doing it right in my opinion you're talking about goals you're setting goals you're talking about progress against goals and you're also giving mutual feedback not just one way but mutual feedback you know i always ask i try to often ask for feedback in these meetings three especially with skip levels i find you stay in touch with issues throughout the org and at all levels one of the things i worry most about as an exec is losing touch with where the rubber meets the road. And I think using skip levels can really help you stay in touch. And three, leadership is all about building trusting and inspirational relationships. And so I think investing the time in these relationships makes sense. With Daryl's point on the importance of empathy, many 
previous guests have emphasised why this is critical for a CFO and for a finance leader. But Daryl suggests that makes the contentious point that this doesn't always come naturally to finance people. So if whether that's true or not, it suggests that that's something that we all need to be self-aware around and to make sure that if we're someone who's naturally empathetic, fantastic, we should continue that and, and embrace it. And if it's something that doesn't come naturally to us, it's something that we should look to instill and implement as a regular practice. And he finishes off by almost suggesting that it's a prerequisite for great, successful finance leaders and, and that many of the people that he's seen around them have that skill. Secondly, he touches on the importance of prioritization. So with prioritization, it's always the one of the trickiest topics to get right when managing a team with finite resources, which is almost every organization out there. And he makes two points that I, that I thought were very thought-provoking. The first is that there's always a degree of what he called plumbing to be done. So you've only got limited capacity for a few big bets. And so you need to be really thoughtful about what you think is going to be the biggest impact, the most important, balancing carefully what's urgent with what is important. And that's often where you need to get balanced the, the short-term priorities with what will have the long-term, what will deliver long-term value. And then critically, he says at the end, that if something, if you have made these big bets, is to have the courage of your convictions and recognize if it's not going right, can it move on? And that requires a degree of courage and intuition to make sure that if that situation arises, that you have the, the conviction to follow it through. Lastly, with Kelly, the idea of using one-on-one, someone of, of Kelly's caliber, I thought was incredibly interesting because one-on-ones can be just a regular part of the daily grind of, of managing a team of engaging with people across the organization but the way that she positions it is something that one can be productive and get stuff done but the second thing is that it's the point at which she can create this accountability and not just accountability from her to her team but from her team to her and that can also be an opportunity for feedback. So feedback in both senses. So she'll offer that feedback regularly, which we've heard is a critical part of what great leaders do, especially um, when you're running busy organizations or when you're busy running th those huge organizations. And then the second part is the idea that you can get that regular feedback. And she touches on something that I've seen work incredibly effectively at places like Dropbox and, and Accenture, which is the idea of skip level meetings. So rather than just engaging with your direct reports and then let them manage their teams and their organizations, go direct to people on the ground, whether it's within your team or across the organization. And that can ward off the risk of you losing touch, which Kelly said was one of our greatest fears. And I think especially as you rise and progress in your career into more senior positions, moving up towards the very senior positions and run and be eventually becoming a CFO, it's something that you, you need to be very aware of and that actually touching on topics with people who are working supposedly in the trenches can be a, a very effective technique. Those were some of the best pieces of leadership advice we've gotten on the show so far. I hope you enjoyed that recap. 
and that hearing them one after another either helps you learn something new, pick up something new, or helps you implement some of this advice in your life. Next week, we'll start back with more interviews of world-class CFOs and financial leaders. So if you haven't yet, make sure to subscribe so you don't miss one. Thank you for listening. And if you're enjoying the podcast, it would mean a lot if you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or share with someone that you think would enjoy it. CFO Playbook is brought to you by Solvo, the number one corporate card and spend management platform. Learn more at soldo.com.